0: listening to the Northside Christian Church Sermon Podcast. These teachings are recorded at our weekly Sunday morning gatherings in Springfield, Missouri. For more about our church, service times, and how to connect, visit northsidechristianchurch.net. Have you ever been so discouraged, so frustrated, so tired, so worn down, so worn out, felt so drugged down that you just wanted to quit. You wanted to give up. You wanted to walk away. You you just were saying things like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm finished. I've had it. Have you ever been there? I, I think for me, it was probably when we played Monopoly. That usually happened pretty quick. Some of you may have happened trying to get to church today. How many of you were caught up on I-44 in an accident trying to get here? Yeah, we've got a baptism that's now going to be at the end of the service today because of people that were stuck on I-44. A semi-truck turned over. It was closed. Maybe even both directions, but definitely eastbound for quite a while. And I know some of you were just trying to get here. We, We just have those times when, man, we just get to a point And I know whether it it, it can happen with relationships, it can happen because of circumstances, it can happen with your work, with a job, whatever it is. But you get to those moments where in some way you just feel like, man, I'm done trying to make things better. I'm done trying to do the right thing. The more I try to honor God and obey his word and do what is right, the more opposition, frustration, disappointments are coming into my life. And I'm just so over it. I'm, I'm just so done. And I, you know, I know there's degrees of this, I understand. But there have been moments, even for me, to a certain degree, where I've experienced some of that, whether it was in ministry, in parenting, <laughs> in leadership. I mean, there's, there's been those hard moments. And I think some of what I'm describing, for some of you, it sounds like burnout, doesn't it? I mean, some of those words, when, when you're tired and fatigued and worn out and I'm just done or I'm over, I just want to quit, I want to stop, it, it can sound like burnout. And that's a real thing. Deep burnout is a real thing. And that's not really where I'm going to go with this this morning, though I want to acknowledge it because there's a way out of it if you're experiencing it. And, you know, when it comes to burnout, uh, Kerry Newoff talks about two kinds of burnout. He talks about deep burnout, which he personally experienced. He went through this. In fact, he describes it as one day he just woke up and it was like his body said to him, we're not doing this anymore. I resign. I quit. He said, my energy sagged, my drive diminished, my brain fog increased. I lost all drive that moved me for most of my life and physically and emotionally and mentally. He was done. And he just hit a wall. And uh, he had to come back from that. There was a way through that. And and he talks about how he did that. He's written a book about it. He's blogged about it. He's written about it. But he also talks about low-grade burnout, where the functions of life continue, but the joy of life is gone. Where you're getting up every day and you're going to work, you're functioning, you're watching your kids play sports or socializing or going to their events, but you don't feel anything anymore. In fact, oftentimes you begin to feel numb You've gone numb. The joy of life is gone. Because he said burnout is a spectrum. And what you have to be careful of is if you're in a low-grade burnout, you're just a few missteps away from getting into full-on burnout. So you need to be careful with that. And I I think a little bit of what I'm going to be talking about today is more this low-grade burnout. When you start getting into those emotions and feelings and you're having those symptoms and, and you're struggling and you're going through hardship, And it doesn't have to just be low-grade. It could just be those moments of intense discouragement and fatigue and tired. I think some of the emotions and feelings and symptoms I'm talking about overlap with burnout. But what I'm really talking about is those moments when you grow weary of doing good, And it may be because you're facing opposition or resistance or you're facing persecution. You're trying to seek and honor the Lord and you're becoming weary of doing it. And when it happens, what do you lean on? Who do you rely on in those moments when you really are struggling? You're going through those difficult times. And I think one answer can be found that I want to talk about today in the book of Jeremiah, a book where I am inspired, I am encouraged to be more and more like this prophet named Jeremiah. In fact, if you have a Bible or device, I'm gonna encourage you to open up to that book right now in your Old Testament, the book of Jeremiah, because you would be hard-pressed to find any person who experienced more undeserved opposition and persecution than Jeremiah. And yet, he continued to offer unceasing intercession on behalf of his people that he showed such great sincerity for and love for. And he even fearlessly proclaimed God's message. You're you're hard-pressed to find anybody who did it better than Jeremiah because he was oppressed by his own community. I mean, his own neighbors oppressed him, not just his community, but his own family turned against him and betrayed him. So his community, his neighbors, his family, not only that, but, but other prophets, And false prophets were turning against him. Even the priest, even the king was turning against him. I mean, everybody was against Jeremiah, opposed to him at every turn. And all he was doing was communicating what God told him to say. He was giving God's message out of concern and love for the people because destruction was coming their way. They were so rebellious, so idolatrous, turning away from God that the Babylonians were going to come in and they were going to bring destruction and punishment. He knew it because God revealed it to him. And yet here he was. Through 40 plus years of his ministry, nobody would respond to him in a positive way. His ministry began in about 627 BC, and it continued until the fall of Jerusalem in 586 BC. And here's how Jeremiah begins his book, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1. I want us to look at verse 4 here, where he says this. He says, the word of the Lord came to me. I want to pause there for a moment, because what this means is it's an autobiography. He's writing about his life and what happened. The word of the Lord came to me. God called out to him. In verse 2, he tells us when it was. It was in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah. Now, Josiah was a, a great godly king, a very good king. But following on the heels of Josiah was evil kings like Jehoiakim. And throughout their reign, he's letting them know, trying to get their hearts to turn back to the Lord so they could avoid the destruction that was coming. Confronting their sin, confronting these evil kings of Judah, And so Jeremiah says, the word of the Lord came to me. And he says this in verse 5, saying, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. (laughs) But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to. And say whatever I command you, do not be afraid of them, for I'm with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and he touched my mouth and he said, I've put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me, what do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. And the Lord said to me, you've seen correctly, for I'm watching to see that my word is fulfilled. The word of the Lord called to me again. What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It's tilting toward us from the north. And the Lord said to me, From the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I'm about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdoms, declares the Lord. Jeremiah receives a word from the Lord, but it's in the form of a vision. We know this because he sees the Lord touching his mouth and putting his words there. And then the Lord says, What do you see? And he says, I see an almond tree. An almond tree in Palestine was also called the awake tree because it was the very first to blossom its bloom before the leaves came. And it would do it in January, very early on. And the Lord is saying, see, I'm watching to see that my word takes fruit, that it blooms and is having an effect. Jeremiah, what do you see? He says, I see a boiling pot, being, its contents being poured out from the north to the south. And God is revealing that that's where destruction is going to come from as the Babylonians are going to come in to Jerusalem and destroy it and bring punishment to its people. And when he's saying that it's coming from the north, that's interesting because Babylon is actually from the east. We know it was the Babylonians that did it, but the trade routes went up the Euphrates and would come in from the north. And that's how Babylon did it. They came in from the north to Jerusalem and Jeremiah is writing to the people that he loves, God's people, there in the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom, warning them about their rebellion and their sin and their idolatry. They're looking like the nations around them, and they're going to face the same destruction. And it's coming from Babylon if they don't repent, if they don't turn away. But Jeremiah, at first, is scared to do it. When God says, I'm giving you my word to proclaim, he's like, but I'm too young, and I don't have, know how to speak. And I'm not very articulate. And I'm not very experienced. And God says, I'm, I'm forming you. I'm appointing you. I'm sending you apart for this. I'm sending you. And then he tells Jeremiah this. Do not be afraid of them, for I'm going to rescue you. Which would leave you wondering, what do you need to rescue me from? How come I shouldn't be afraid? What's going to happen? so much is going to happen that Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet because of what he's going to experience for over 40 plus years of his work in his ministry. He's opposed every single step of the way so that God says, don't be afraid. Why? Because you're going to be afraid. And and I will rescue you. Why? Because you're going to need rescued. And and what I want to do is I just want to take a moment as we begin this new series called Tears to Joy. I, I want to take just a moment as we go through the book of Jeremiah to look at all these examples of what Jeremiah went through throughout his life, as examples of why God would have to rescue him, why he would have to rely on God, and why he went through so many painful things. First of all, Jeremiah went through deep mental and emotional anguish. He went through deep mental and emotional anguish. In fact, in, in chapter 9, verse 1, I'll, just to give you a teaser of this, we'll talk about more in a minute, but... Jeremiah says, Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears. I would weep day and night for the slain of my people. He's known as the weeping prophet because he he cares for his people. He sees, he sees what's coming. He sees what's on the way. They don't, and he's trying to warn them. And, and, and if only, you know, in his head there was a spring of water that would just continue to flow all the tears, he would weep day and night because he sees what's happening. In fact, he sees what Jeremiah 9.23 goes on to say. God declares, dead bodies will lie like dung on the open field, like cut grain behind the reaper with no one to gather them. That's what Jeremiah sees. That's what's coming. He's heartbroken. He's going to need rescued because number two, we read in Jeremiah 11 that people from his hometown threatened to kill him. They're, they're, They're trying to kill him. They got a plot to do it. Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 11, 18 through 19, the Lord revealed their plot to me. I knew it for at the time he showed me what they were doing. I had been like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. I did not realize that they had plotted against me saying, let us destroy the tree and its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living that his name would be remembered no more. Jeremiah saying, "I, I didn't know there was that plan. I didn't know that there was that plot, but God revealed it to me. They were trying to kill me. And then we read in Jeremiah 12 that God informs Jeremiah, don't trust your family. They're speaking well of you. I know that's what you're hearing, but behind closed doors and what they're doing with the neighbors around you, they're betraying you. Don't trust your family, Jeremiah. You can't even trust your neighbors. You can't trust your community. You can't trust your own family. They're all plotting against you. And then in Jeremiah 18, we see where Jeremiah, he's attacked with verbal abuse over and over, and a pit was dug to capture him so he could be thrown into the pit. And then we read in Jeremiah 20 that Jeremiah was beaten. He was beaten with lashes, 40 lashes. He's put in stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin. By who? Who does this? A priest. He was only speaking the words that God was giving him. And even the religious leaders of the land did not want to hear it. They didn't want to hear what God actually had to say. They didn't want to hear what God was going to do. They tried to silence him. They put him in stocks because he was prophesying about Judah's sin and coming punishment. And when Jeremiah was finally released after being beaten, after being put in stocks by the priest, Jeremiah didn't change his message. His message didn't change at all. Instead, he changed the priest's name. That's what he did. The message didn't change, but your name changes. And Jeremiah no longer called him Pasher. Instead, he called him Magar-Misabib. It just sounds bad, and it is. It means terror on every side because that's what would happen to him and his entire family, terror on every side. Jeremiah continued to speak. He wouldn't stop. And then in verse, I mean, number six in chapter 20, we read that Jeremiah sank into a deep depression. It's interesting to me how many great People of God experience deep, dark times, dark times of the soul when they sink into depression. And while did Jeremiah sink into depression, you can pick up on it in Jeremiah 20 and verses 14 through 18, where he says, "'Cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him very glad, saying, "'A child is born to you a son.'" Even the guy who was like, hey, you had a boy. Congratulations. Cursed be him who said that. Oh, my goodness. He says, may that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew without pity. May he hear wailing in the morning, a battle cry at noon, for he did not kill me in the womb with my mother as my grave. Her womb enlarged forever. Why did he ever come out of the womb to see trouble? Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? If someone was like, hey, Wayne, would would you be interested in throwing the birthday party for Jeremiah this year? I'd be like, no, thanks. (laughs) There will be no party. There will be no candles. There will be no presents, no acknowledgement that he was ever even born. And I want nothing to do with anything that has the word birth in it or day. Because otherwise, you start calling down curses on my head. You know, later today, we're going to celebrate my sister-in-law's birthday. And there's going to be a cookout and and there's going to be food and I mean we're looking forward to this and not Jeremiah not Jeremiah cursed be the one who planned it and then we read in Jeremiah 23 and 28 and 29 that the other prophets and false prophets and prophets in Jerusalem and Babylon they're all opposed to Jeremiah even the supposed prophets are opposed to him and then we read in chapter 36 that King Jehoiakim defied Jeremiah's message. At, Jeremiah wrote on a scroll to give him the message of God. And every few paragraphs that were read, Jehoiakim would cut it off, throw it in the fire till the thing was burned up. Had no interest. Then he ordered for Jeremiah and his scribe, who helped write it, to be arrested. And then in Jeremiah 37, Jeremiah was arrested. He was charged with being a traitor. A Babylonian sympathizer. He was beaten. He was imprisoned a long time in a cell in a dungeon. That's what he went through. Then you get to Jeremiah 38. He's thrown into a cistern where he sank in the mud. And then he's in a courtyard of a guard until the day Jerusalem was captured. He was in that cistern until someone finally rescued him with ropes. And then we read that Jeremiah's word was rejected and he was taken away by his own people to Egypt. In in Jeremiah 42 and 43, the leaders asked him to discern, to to learn God's will. And he said, God's will is for you to stay in Jerusalem. Okay, now that we know that, we're going to disobey and go to Egypt. We're going to take you with us. And Jeremiah, after all this, he's overwhelmed with suffering. In fact, in Jeremiah fifteen, eighteen he says, Why is my pain unceasing? In Jeremiah twelve one he says, Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are all the why do all the treacherous thrive? He even feels misled by the Lord. In Jeremiah twenty seven, he says, You deceive me, Lord. And I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I'm ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. You deceived me. It's amazing how when pain comes into our life and it's difficult and it's hard, we can start to think God doesn't care. Or worse, he deceived me. He led me astray. Did he? I mean, I thought in the beginning he said, don't be afraid. I will rescue you. I will be with you. Why? Because you're going to need rescued and you're going to be afraid. And so I'm going to be with you. I don't know that God deceived him, but he felt that way at times. I just think sometimes when we're worn out, and we're drugged down, and we're tired, and we're opposed, your emotions can just lead you into these dark places. And yet, here's what inspires me about Jeremiah, is that though he has these low points emotionally, and though he is harmed physically... And that at every single turn, every single person in his life is opposed to him and a threat to him. He faithfully proclaims God's message. And he doesn't give up, and he doesn't quit, and he doesn't throw in the towel. Though that one time he was really, really, really close. What kept him going? Because as you read through the book, you even see that he maintains his sympathy towards the people that are rejecting him. He has sympathy for them and empathy for them and what they're going to go through. He can see what's going to happen. And so his heart goes out to them, even even though at times he wants to see God bring discipline. He stays sympathetic for them. And he's faithful in the face of persecution. What kept him going? And here's what kept him going. Here's, Here's my answer to this. And this is what I want us to look at. Jeremiah kept going because he had the call of God on his life. Three things. He had the call of God on his life. He had the word of God burning in his bones. And he had the power of God like a mighty warrior going before him. He had the call of God on his life. He had the word of God burning in his bones. And he had the, the power of God like a mighty warrior going before him. It's what allowed and enabled and empowered Jeremiah to go through what he went through. And, and I think that the key verse in this book that seems to describe this is in Jeremiah 20, verses 9 through 12. And I want us to read it because it shows the call of God, the word of God, the power of God. We already know the word of God came to it, but here's what he says. In verses 9 through 12, he says, But if I say, because this is the moment when he's about to give up. If I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name. Why is he considering that? So he can stop being opposed and facing persecution. That's why. So he's considering it. It's like Corey talked about the word consider thinking about this. I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name. His word though is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm I'm weary. What's he weary of? All the persecution coming his way? No, of holding it in. (laughs) There's something... Greater that's worrying him than even the opposite of the outside. That's the word of God being contained. I I can't hold it anymore. Indeed, I cannot. I hear many whispering, terror on every side. Denounce him. Let's denounce him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying, Perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind. Let me see your vengeance on them for to you. I've committed my cause (laughs) for you are the one who will rescue me. I've got the call of God in my life. I've got the word of God, like fire in my bones. And I've got the power of God, like a mighty water warrior fighting on my behalf, fighting for my cause. So although Jeremiah briefly considered throwing in the town and giving up so he could avoid persecution, he just could not do it. The fire that was in was greater than the heat that he was experiencing from the persecution on the outside. He had the call of God on his life, the word of God in in his bones, and he had the power of God like a mighty warrior going before them. And, And I'm just asking, what enables you to stay faithful when you feel opposed on every side, when you're weary, when you're worn out, when you're tired? Well, first of all, you've got the call of God on your life. You've got the word of God like a fire in your bones. And you've got the power of God like a mighty warrior going before you. You do as well. The call of God on your life. You know, all throughout the Bible, God's been calling out to people. I mean, all the way back at Genesis chapter 3, he called out to Adam in the garden. And then you see where he called out to people for specific leadership causes throughout the Bible. Moses from a burning bush, Exodus 3. Saul, blinding light when he was going to persecute Christians on the road to Damascus. You see it with a young Samuel who was called by God for these roles, these leadership. But in his sovereign plan, God has called each and every single one of you. You've been called out, especially those of you in this New Testament era because you're the church. And the word church, which comes from the Greek word ecclesia, means ek, means means, uh, out, it means out. And kaleo means to call, to summon, to call out. It's what... Our very identity is is the church. We're the called out ones. We're set apart by God, sanctified by God. We're called out by God. He's calling you. He's calling you. In 1 Peter two nine, Peter says, "We're called out of darkness into His light." He, he, there's a call on your life by God, and so there is a reason why you need to reflect the call of God in your life. And the reason is because when. When the going gets tough, the reason we have a call from God is because when the going gets tough and we grow weary and we get tired and opposition comes against you and you feel ridiculed, ostracized, pushed aside, held arm's length away, pushed out by others because of your faith and your commitment to Christ, you need to know there's a reason for doing this. You need to know the why behind it. You've been called by God. When we are convinced that God has called us, then we're less likely to give up when the going gets tough. Kirsten Strand said, I've learned that ignoring a calling can lead to depression, anger, and frustration, and deep dissatisfaction with life. That's what she's learned. When you ignore your calling from God, it leads to great frustration. She said, I've also learned that following a calling can also lead to moments of depression, anger, frustration, loneliness. Yet, underneath those feelings, there's a profound sense of peace and satisfaction that you're living out your purpose, you're being who God's called you to be, you belong to him. The call of God is on your life. And when we acknowledge that and see that, it helps us to not give up and throw in the towel. You have have the call of God on your life. I'm inspired by Jeremiah who faithfully served the Lord because he received a call from God. I, I want my life to persevere and endure because I have the call of God on my life. And you don't just have the call of God, you have the Word of God. Have you received a word from the Lord? Jeremiah received a word from the Lord. It was very direct. He got a vision. Wow, that was amazing. Have you received a word from the Lord? Yes, you have. In Hebrews 2.13... The author writes, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. In the past, God through, spoke through the prophets in many various ways, as in Jeremiah. But in these last days, Hebrews says, he speaks to us through his son. His son is the word. And the word that we have that God has provided to us is his word to you. You have received a word from the Lord. And that word, as we receive it, it's like a fire in our bones that leads us, it directs us, it moves us. It's intended to work through you and it's intended to work in you and to work on you. It's a word that's intended to be obeyed. When you receive a word from the Lord and you obey it, you are now stepping into God's calling for your life. It reminds me of that moment when Peter, in Luke chapter five, had been fishing all night And caught nothing. Any of you been there? You fish? You got nothing to show for it? I've definitely been there. I got nothing to show for this. It's frustrating. He's cleaning his net. Jesus comes up to him on the shore and crowds are pressing around Jesus. And Jesus gets into Peter's boat and says, hey, let's push out from shore a little bit. It's like an amphitheater effect. I'm going to teach from the boat. He's teaching from the boat, from the water. When he gets done teaching, he tells Peter, let's push out and put down your nets for a catch. Peter, Peter knows it's the wrong time of day. He knows he's, he's toiled and he's exhausted from all night fishing, getting nothing in return. He tells Jesus this. We toiled all night. It, it took nothing. But here's what Peter says next. But at your word, I will let down the nets. It may not make sense to me, I may not want to do it, but at your word, I I will do what you say. Some translations will say, he says, because you said so, I'm going to do this. And because Jesus said so, and because Jesus at his, because Peter at the word of Jesus responded, Peter put down those nets and on cue, those fish raced to those nets with such force that it began to pull that boat down into the water. Others came to help and they began to pull it into the boat. And there was such a large catch of fish among all the squirming fish around him. Peter fell to his knees and began to worship Jesus saying, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. Because at his word, Jesus responded and he acted in that moment in a powerful way. Like a mighty warrior, he came through for him. As Peter listened, as Peter responded to him. And it's in that moment as he was worshiping Jesus that Jesus said to Simon in Luke five 10, don't be afraid. It's interesting how often the Bible says that. Don't be afraid. You know, Peter would have reason to be afraid at times as well. But he says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Sometimes translations shall say catch people. The word catch means to take live captives. Those who are have succumbed to Satan's plan and purpose for their lives and they're enslaved. You're going to help pull them out of that into life with Jesus. You're, you're going to catch people. You've been called. Jesus is letting Peter know, I've, I've called you out. Peter, I've rescued you. You're going to help rescue others. You're on mission with me. You've been, you've been called. And you now have a word from me to share with others and to give to others. And Peter left everything and he followed him. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave Peter and those disciples this word, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. I've given you a word. I've given you a purpose, a mission. I've called you into this with me. He's telling the disciples, I want you to teach others to do that so they can teach others to do that, so they teach others to do that. We, we have a call from God and we have a word from God that is to be obeyed, It's to be followed. We're to respond to it at his word. If we do what he says, then like Jeremiah, we'll be people who are faithful to him, even when we're tired, even when we're worn out, even when we're weak. And in that great commission, he says, baptizing them in the Father's Holy Spirit. You know, this week at camp, there were 12 baptisms. We've got two more happening at the end of this service. You know, we're celebrating what God's doing because we've been called by God. We have a word from God. And the question becomes, have you heard his call? He's calling you. Jesus is calling you. In fact, Mark Moore in his book, Jesus Quest, he, he says there's four principles to hearing God's call And he says, first of all, Jesus is calling you. If you listen, you'll hear him ask for both your ability and your availability. Jesus wants your ability and Jesus wants your availability. He's calling you. Will you give it to him? And then Moore says this. He asked some people to give up their occupations. Yeah, he asked Peter to give up fishing for fish, to fish for men. Give up your occupation. But he asked others to give over their occupations. That whatever we're doing, we are called by Jesus to be his representatives, where, whether we live, wherever we live, work, and play. We'll either give up our occupations or give over our occupations. Number three, often God, God's call will come through others. God doesn't always, like Jeremiah, give us a vision in that way. He spoke to the prophets that way. But He speaks to us in these last days through His Son and through His Word, and at times even through other people as, as they affirm things that they see in our life. and it can be the voice of a friend or a parent or a peer or a co-worker or a coach or a minister or someone just saying, man, I've seen these things in you. God is using this. And and it begins to point us in ways in which God is leading us. And then finally, number four, asking Jesus to leave you alone is pointless. Jeremiah started that way. I mean, he tried. God, I'm, I'm, I'm too young. I'm not experienced. I, I can't talk. I'm not articulate. I can't be your voice. And. It is completely pointless to say, Jesus, leave me alone when He's calling you into something grand and special and beautiful into His kingdom that will last forever. Why would we turn that down? Because of our fears, do not be afraid. Because of the opposition, I will rescue you. God's going to carry us through. And you know, when you look through the New Testament about at scriptures that talk about your call, God's call in your life, you'll read things like. You are therefore, in 2 Corinthians 5.20, you're therefore God's ambassadors. And so God is making his appeal through you. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. God is using you as an ambassador to give his message of reconciliation to the world, to the people around you, so that they can experience reconciliation with God. You've been called to do this. In 1 Peter 2, 9, it says you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his light." You've been called out of darkness to step into his light and from there to declare the praises of God because you are his priesthood, his chosen people. 1 Peter three ten through 11 says each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, you've been called to serve other people using your gifts, your availability, and your ability in all the various forms that God has given. He's calling you to be a part of his story. God is calling you to to be a part of his story, to save people from their sin. He's calling you to bring light to this dark world. He's calling you to get on mission so that every tongue, tribe, and nation knows that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's calling you Because when you decide to join God's great story with your life, you'll discover satisfying, fulfilling, eternal purpose. And to find Jesus means that you have to accept the invitation. That means saying no to other things, canceling other things so you can accept the invitation of Jesus. And when you come to that place, when you are discouraged and frustrated and tired and worn out and worn down and drugged down so that you want to quit and give up and throw in the towel and walk away saying, forget it, I'm out, I'm done, I'm finished, I'm done trying to make things better, I'm done trying to do the right thing, then you need to be inspired by the man by the name of Jeremiah who shows us that we have a call of God on our life, the word of God burning in our bones and the power of God like a mighty warrior going before us to lead us through the way. We need to persevere. We need to endure. When the going gets hard and tough, we need to know that we have a God who is with us. He's not left us. He's not going to forsake us. He's going to carry us through. And when we are faithful and we keep on keeping on and those areas of weakness and fatigue, whether that's a marriage that's struggling or a child that's rebelling or friendships that are distancing or coworkers that are marginalizing, you just keep on keep it on you persevere you stand strong you hold the line when others around you are discouraging you in faith you continue in the faith when others around you are trying to pull you down you step in the courage that god gives like peter and john when they were facing persecution even from the religious leaders when you sometimes when you're doing what god wants you to do even the religious leaders in your life will try to discourage you from doing it and when it happened they said we cannot help but speak about the things that we've seen and heard that was the response. We've got a call of God on our life, the word of God in our bones and the power of God leading us forward. And they, they recognize these men have been with Jesus. They were speaking with an authority they had never seen before. They were empowered by the spirit of God. That's what God wants to do in your life. And Lord, right now, I just want to pray. I pray for every person in this room, every person that's listening right now, Lord, I just pray that we would, we would hear, we would see the call you have in our lives. That Jesus, we would see what you want us to see. You asked your mind, what do you see? Lord, what I see is that you've called us out of darkness into light. You've invited us into your story and into your plan to be your ambassadors, to reconcile this world to you. You've called us to be set apart, to be your people. Lord, I pray that we would see and hear this call And that God, we would just recognize we have a word from you. You have spoken directly to us. It's in our hands, it's in our possession, it's in our heart, it's in our mind. May we obey it. May we do it without excuse. And may we step forward with the courage that can only come in moments of weakness. By the power that comes when a mighty warrior is with us and fighting for us on behalf of us. God, may we trust you and lean on you to do what we can't do in and of ourselves. And so, Jesus, right now, we just put our life in your hands. Lord, we want to be a part of your story. We want to be inspired by people like Jeremiah who faithfully served year after year after year when everyone and everything in his life was standing in opposition to him. Lord, may we have faith and courage and strength like that. And it's not going to come from within. It's going to come from you. Would you give it to us by your grace? And Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you stand to your feet this morning, if if there's a decision that you need to make, if you want to pray today, maybe there's some areas where you've given up that today you need to... Ask for God to get you back in the game. If you want to make a decision to begin a relationship with Jesus, to follow Christ, to be a member of this church, I invite you to step out to decision point. I want to be stepping right over here to the side of the room in a moment. I'd love to meet and pray and talk with you there. If you're watching online, just go to northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision or text the word decision to that phone number on your screen and that can begin a conversation with us. And, And as we sing today, we're just going to declare... We're going to declare that in our moments of weakness, when we're barely hanging on by a thread, that these are the moments we just look up. We look to God to find our strength. When you're in that cistern or in that pit or in despair, we look to Him. And let's just give Him our hearts and our faith and hear Him calling out to us in this moment. As you leave today after the baptism, if if uh You see the boxes at the back of the room? You can give to the Lord today as an act of worship, or you can give to the info on the screen there as well. May this be a moment of commitment for us, of recommitment. Let's do that as we sing. Thanks for joining us this morning, Northside. Before you go, make sure you check in and let us know you were here. Text the word CHECK to 417-233-1200. If you want to respond to today's service, you can do that online through Decision Point. If you want to know more about baptism or becoming a member, you can request more info at northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision. This is also the place to find out about our life groups, find out what sort of service opportunities there are, or if you just need to get in touch with a minister. And if you're online, you probably use social media too. Make sure you're following along with Northside on our Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, or Twitter. We are glad that you chose to join us this morning. As we head out for the week, let's make sure we take the love of God with us. Take good care of each other, Northside.